to wear a ring or to wear a twine or anything similar to them for prevention or lifting of harm or affliction is an act of shirk. And subhanAllah, if you remember the last chapter that we took, what did we say? What did the Shaykh say right at the end? What was the last chapter? Tafsir al-Tawheed, yes? An explanation of Tawheed. And in your book, it doesn't have what he said. Yes? This is why I said add it in. He said an exp- the explanation of this chapter is in the subsequent chapters. An explanation of this chapter, yani the explanation of Tawheed and what the reality of Tawheed is, is in subsequent chapters. For how we, how we fulfill La ilaha illallah and what negates La ilaha illallah, now he's going to start explaining some of the things which negate La ilaha illallah. So when he was explaining that, method, he, he explained how some people love Allah, or how they love their idols more than they love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This goes against La ilaha illallah. And we said that some people, subhanAllah, they make dua to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This one negates La ilaha illallah. Similarly, today we're going to look at when you wear a ring, a halaqa, or when you wear a khayt, a string, or a twine, or, or nahwihima, or anything which is similar to it. This is from a shirk. For the relevance of the, of the chapter to the, to the book, is subhanAllah is that it's mentioning a matter which opposes the tawheed. What is this matter? Is how when the bala comes or to prevent the bala, who do we turn to? We turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we turn to something else, this is when it becomes what? This is when it becomes shirk. And this is a means. We're going to look at the means today. So this is what the relevance of it. For by understanding the opposite of tawheed, you understand tawheed. This is the relevance of the chapter to the book. We're going to break down the title because there's a lot to, you know, there's a lot to understand in this title. It says, Babun min ash-shirk. Min ash-shirk. So this min is what they call tab'idi. Tab'idi, you say, مثلاً, it's, it's a part of it. And you know, just a part of shirk is this. And you know, this is one type of shirk. There are many other parts. This is what the min. Min ash-shirk. He didn't say ash-shirku. That means not all of shirk is in hanging a twine and, 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 and there's other aspects of shirk as well. But this is just one part of shirk. So which shirk is he talking about here? He's talking about shirk al-akbar. Good. The first ayah that he gives is talking about shirk al-akbar. But he's also talking about a shirk al-asghar as well. A shirk al-asghar. And this is a very subtle difference that you have to be very careful of. Yani if a person, they wear a bangle or they wear a ring or they wear a string or they hang a string or they tie a string to themselves and they believe that this, this object is bidatiha tanfa' wa tadur within itself that this thing, this object, this piece of metal or this string has the power to benefit or to cause harm, what have they committed? They have committed a shirk al-akbar because they have the belief that something has the power to benefit and to cause and to, to bring about good and to bring about evil. And this is a shirk in al-rububiyah, so even to create, even to create, subhanAllah. They have, this is the reason, subhanAllah. has a good luck charm, مثلا. Maybe they might wear a good luck charm, مثلا, because they want to have a baby, مثلا. yes? 
والعياذ بالله. And this all falls into this as we come to say. But this is major shirk. And then the minor shirk is if a person wears these things, but they believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is still the one that causes the harm and the benefit, but they believe that the thing that they are wearing is what? Is a, is a sabab, is a cause. Is a cause for bringing about good or averting harm. So if they wear it, مثلاً, just to, just as a cause, they believe that this is a cause, but the ultimate the ultimate, يعني, the ultimate matter lies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they have committed minor shirk. But if they wear it believing that this has the maqam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they can bring about harm, then they have committed major shirk. So that when we look at someone مثلا, wearing, a ba- wearing a bangle or wear a, I think, a halaqa, we don't immediately say this guy is what? It's outside the fold of Islam, this is kafir, mush- mushrik, outside the millah. But there could be tafsir, we don't know what's inside his heart. And we're going to see how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with this. So how do we establish the asbab? Remember, this is the definition of, of the minor shirk. Minor shirk is, is what the, the, the sharia has told us is minor shirk. The thing which I fear for you the most is what? The minor shirk. What, what was the minor shirk? He said, to show off. So he classified this specifically as, as minor shirk. But you can take from the other hadith, from the other hadith you can take, we can add to this definition that everything which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not made a mean or has not made a cause, has not made a sabab, which you take as a sabab, then this falls under what? It falls under minor shirk. But you have to be very careful for this could drag you to, to the major shirk. How do we establish the asbab now? How do we know that something is a legitimate sabab and something is an illegitimate sabab? How, how do we determine that something is a legitimate sabab? Ahsant, mashallah. It comes in through the sharia, the Quran or the sunnah. Even in the, in the Quran it says that honey is a source of, is a source of, of, of medication, for example. Or masalan, recitation of the Quran is a, is a shifa. We know that this is a shifa. The Quran is a cause for... For what? For shifa. But the ultimate thing lies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the thing that you take as a legitimate cause is through the Qur'an and through the sunnah. This is one way of establishing a legitimate cause, a legitimate sabab. The second way is what? Is what they call through a tajruba. A tajruba. What do they call here? They say exper- experimentation and experience. For mathalan, subhanallah, by experience, مثلا, we talked about this al kay before. We talked about al kay. A cauterization. Mathalan, you have a big gash in your, in your, you have a big wound, and subhanAllah, by putting like a hot piece of metal on it, it closes the, the wound and it heals it. They found that this one, by tajruba, with, with, yani with experience, that this causes a cure. Or mathalan, through mathalan penicillin, and they, they, subhanAllah, they extracted it and, 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 and they tested it on people, and they found that when you, mathalan, have a headache or you have any pain in your body, and you take this, this mathalan, this medication, it is a cause of of cure. So we don't say, مثلاً, that these medications here, subhanAllah, that we take and that they know that they cure. We don't say that anyone who takes this is a form of, of minor shirk because this what? This has been established with a, with a tajruba. But we're talking about, with the talking about the asbab which, subhanAllah, have no evidence in either the sharia or the tajruba as causing any, any cure or causing, or causing any good or averting any harm. And then he said, مِنَ الشِّرْكِ لُبْسُ الْحَلَقِ لُبْسُ الْحَلَقَةِ To wear الْحَلَقَةِ to wear al-halaqa, and subhanAllah, to wear it on your body or even to hang it up on anything else, as we'll come to say as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you wear it, and it could be any halaqa. It could be on your wrist, it could be a piercing and in your ear, it could be on your ankle, it could, wherever, you, wherever you choose to wear this halaqa. A ring, essentially a halaqa is a ring, whether it's a small one or a big one, or a, and you use it for this purpose, it covers this one. And he said al-khayt, 
Akhayat is a string or a twine that you tie on yourself or on your child or on your car or, or whatever it is, yes? That you tie in the, in the belief that this, what, that this will avert any harm. That this will avert harm or even bring about good. And then he said, وَنَحْوِهِمَا وَنَحْوِهِمَا And anything which is like them. And Halumma Jar and Shaykh Abu Uthaymin, he gave so many examples. He said some people hang yani, the limbs of animals or they hang a bone of an animal thinking that this will avert evil or something. And then subhanAllah, mathalan, the yin and the yang. You know the yin and the yang, this one? The Chinese one, you know this one, half black and half white and one dot here and one dot here. And this one has good energy and shubha arrafni and ila akhirhi. This one is the same thing, yes? Or even the good luck charms. The good luck charms, whatever it may be. I don't know if you remember back in the days, they used to have those little, those little dolls with the big hair, the trolls, you know those ones. I don't know, maybe someone who grew up in this country knows what they are. And they used to put them in their car and then this one brings good luck. Ila akhirhi, anything which falls under this category. The Shaykh, he's saying it covers this one. As long as he has the same i'tiqad, the same belief that it brings about good or averts, averts evil, it falls under this category. And even, subhanAllah, you know, even, you know, some people, they hang the dice. You know, the dice, they hang it up in their car, مثلاً. you know, the two dice, and they say this one is averts evil. Or even they hang the, they put a picture of the eye, you know, the eye. And he has a shop and he puts, a, he puts the eye right on top of his shop so that no harm can come about his shop. Yeah, so no one, no one strikes his, his shop with ayn or something like it. And this is all batil. This is all batil. He covers this one as well. And he said, To lift the bala. So what does this mean? That the bala has already, has already occurred. And also what? He still hasn't occurred. It's like a preventative measure. To ensure that it does not occur. This one, babun. من الشرك يعني الشرك الأكبر والأصغر depending on your اعتقاد لبس الحلقة to wear a حلقة to wear a ring of whatever it might be أو الخيط or a string because these are the most common ones that may be used ونحوهما anything similar to this for what لرفع البلاء to lift the بلاء when it comes down when the harm comes down upon a person and this بلاء يعني as we'll come to see is a generic word is a generic word for all types of harm وقوله تعالى قل أفرأيتم ما تدعون من دون الله إن أرادني الله بضر هل هن كاشفات ضره أو أرادني برحمة هل هن ممسكات رحمته قل حسبي الله عليه يتوكل المتوكلون. الله سبحانه وتعالى says say he's telling the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم say tell me then the things that you invoke besides Allah if Allah intended some harm for me could they remove his harm or if he Allah سبحانه وتعالى intended some mercy for me could they withhold his mercy? Say sufficient for me is Allah in him. Those who trust must put their trust. But this ayah, this ayah is in Surah Az-Zumar. Ayah number 38. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He says, رأى from the verb, to look. But it means, يعني, inform me. Inform me. Because the person who looks at these asnam, who looks at the asnam and the effects of these asnam, can tell you straight away that what, what they see is what? They can inform you that they have no benefit, that they cannot bring about benefit, and they cannot bring about any harm, just by looking at the effects of these asnam. You make dua to this asnam, do they answer you? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to put down bala upon you, and brings down, subhanAllah, bala, brings down, mathalan, sickness or poverty or death or whatever, can these asnam lift this bala? Or if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted some rahmah for you, هل هن ممسكاتو? Can they hold back the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if He brings it? With your own eyes, you see it. You look at it, you see the effects, and then you inform me. 
This is what Afaraitum means. Ma tad'oon. Qul Afaraitum ma tad'oon. Remember we said that the dua is of two types. What are the two types of dua? Dua'ul mas'ala. And dua'ul al-ibadah. What's dua'ul al-ibadah? We'll start with dua'ul al-ibadah. What's dua'ul al-ibadah? When they worship their idols, they're doing dua'ul al-ibadah to them. They make ruku' to their... To their idols and they make sujood and they make nazar to their idols. They vow to their idols and they do zabah. They slaughter for their idols. But this is dua al-ibadah. And they also do ibad al-mas'ala for their idols. They ask, ya, ya hubal, ya, ya manat, ya ila akhiri, whatever the idols are called. Al-uzza, ila akhiri. Ila akhiri, whatever the asnam, whatever the sanam may be, they ask them. Fa'i kafas, qul afara'aytum ma tad'un. Dua al-ibadah and dua al-mas'ala. Qul afara'aytum ma tad'un min dunillahi. إن أرادني الله بضر إذا الله سبحانه وتعالى wishes harm upon me إذا الله سبحانه وتعالى wishes harm upon me and الضر is all kinds of ضر يعني it's a comprehensive word يعني afflictions يعني disease and poverty and distress إذا الله سبحانه وتعالى wishes any of these things upon me هل هن هل هن كاشفات ضره are they able to lift this ضر from me are they able to remove this ضر and this is what they call يعني سؤال توبيخي is a question which rebukes them. هل هن كاشفات ضره؟ Let me ask them this question. What happens to their argument? It falls to pieces. Because the answer is no, that they are not able to. So why are you worshipping them in the first place? Why are you worshipping them in the first place? And then he said, قُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهِ الحسب is, is the kifaya that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient for me. And this is, this is like a complementary to the first part. That sufficient is Allah for me. In, in, and the, and I do not need to rely on these idols. I don't need to take these idols as intermediaries. حسب الله الله سبحانه وتعالى is sufficient for me. عليه يتوكل المتوكلون. عليه يتوكل المتوكلون when harm befalls me. Who can remove this harm? I just have توكل in Allah سبحانه وتعالى. Allah is sufficient for me. When Allah سبحانه وتعالى wants good for me, can anyone remove this good for me? No one can remove it. My توكل is in in Allah سبحانه وتعالى. Allah سبحانه وتعالى is one who brings the good, and Allah سبحانه وتعالى can remove the harm when it comes. Keep your heart attached to Allah. Essentially, this is what the end of the ayah is saying. حَسْبِ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ يَتَوَكَّلُ الْمُتَوَكِّلُونَ So, and then the shaykh, shaykh uh, uh, he just mentions here يعني, the general meaning of the ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands his prophet وسلم, to ask the mushrikun if their idols can benefit or harm, forcing them to acknowledge the inability of their false deities to do so. By asking such a question, their argument, يعني, their argument falls to pieces and their worship of their idols becomes void. So what's the relevance of the ayah to the chapter? Are we talking about strings and, and bracelets and and, thing, and here, here there's no mention of no bracelets and no strings. And, so what's the relevance of this ayah to the chapter? So what, the, what do we have in this ayah? We have the mushrikun. The mushrikun, what do they do? They make dua to their idols. Are these idols intermediaries or do they actually believe that these idols have a, has a physical power to bring about good or to avert evil? How did they, how did they worship their idols? As intermediaries. مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى For they use their idols as an intermediary to reach to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So their maqsad was what? Their maqsad is Allah. They believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they used intermediaries. Was this shirk major or minor? It was major shirk. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is classifying it as major shirk. So if this is major shirk, now we can use the analogy. What's the analogy? That anyone who what? Who takes an intermediary to lift up Yani the harm or to avert harm, whether it's a bangle or whether it's a, it's a ring or whether it's a string or whether it's a, the part of an animal, whether it's a dice, whether it's a yin-yang, whether it's a... Anyone who takes this, subhanAllah, like what they did with their idols as an intermediary to avert harm or to lift harm, then they have committed an act of 
They have committed an act of shirk. They have committed an act of shirk. Whereas there's no doubt that this ayah is talking about major shirk. We can use the analogy to bring it down to, to minor shirk. And just yani, touching upon this, yani, we have to look at yani, subhanAllah, the, the, subhanAllah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't make those idols as a legitimate sabab to reach him, just like he didn't make these bangles and these, these bracelets and these strings, he did not make this a legitimate sabab. وعن عمران بن حسين رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى رجلا في يده حلقة من صفر فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هذه قال من الواهنة فقال أنزعها فإنها لا تزيدك إلا وهنا فإنك لو مت وهي عليك ما أفلحت أبدا that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم once saw a man with a brass ring on his hand and asked him what is this? The man replied, to overcome the weakness of old age. He said, remove it, for it can only add to your weakness. Should death overtake you while you are wearing it, you would never succeed. Rafa Amran ibn Hussain, he's the Sahabi of the Hadith. Amran ibn Hussain, Sahabi ibn Sahabi. So we say, radiyallahu anhu, we say, radiyallahu anhuma. Radiyallahu anhuma. Amran and his dad Hussain, his father Hussain, were both Sahabi. Yes, so he anhuma, and he and he anhu, he accepted Islam in the year of the Battle of Khaybar, which he was this in the seventh year of Hijrah, yes? In the seventh year of Hijrah. For this is when he accepted Islam and he died and in the in the year fifty two Hijrah in Al Basra. And then he mentions here just the يعني, that this hadith was narrated by Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal and it was also narrated by Ibn Majah and it was also narrated by Al Hakim. For this hadith is Sahih. Here the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he saw a man. Yani he was wearing a halaqa min, min, min sufrin. He was wearing a, a bracelet or a, or a bangle from sufr. From sufr. Yani this sufr, they said it was brass or it could even be copper. Subhanallah, I, was, subhanallah, I remember our Shaykh, Shaykh Salih al-Sindi, hafizahullah, when we were taking this, this mas'ala with him. He said, even these days they wear them. Even these days they wear them. I don't know if you know those brass, those brass bracelets. And they wear them and subhanAllah, yani they, they, they claim that it aids in the reduction of inflammation. And they claim that it, subhanAllah, it, it yani reduces headaches and, and rheumatoid arthritis. And subhanAllah, this is all because there's no evidence, there's no sabab, yani there's no yani legitimate sabab. Then this is, this is all from a shirkiyat, but this is all wahan, something that they're imagining that it causes a cure. And it has no basis in, in, in medicine and it has no basis in the Sharia, definitely no basis in the Sharia. They asked him, why, what is this? Why are you wearing this? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They asked him, he gave him the benefit of the doubt to explain himself. He said, he said, min al-wahina. What's al-wahina? He said, subhanAllah, it's a vein which comes up through the arm. This is why the most correct one is that it was a bracelet. It's a vein that goes through the arm and it causes, subhanAllah, pain in the, pain in the elbow and in the, in the shoulder. This is a disease called al-wahina. So I don't know why they mentioned here that it causes you old age. Because all the shurah that we read, he said that the wahina is a type of disease which affects the arm. It gives you pain in the shoulder and in your hand and in your elbow. And it goes all the way through. For he said to him, anzi'ha. What's a naza? He said, take it off gently and put it on one side. Yani take it off violently. Yani remove it with force. He said, ma'atazidu illa wahnan. And this is like a play at words. The, the disease is called al-wahina, which causes and weakness in the arm. And he said to him, la'atazidu illa wahnan. It doesn't increase you except in weakness. It doesn't remove the weakness. It just it adds your weakness. Which weakness are we talking about here? The weakness of the body or the weakness of the, of the spirit? The weakness of the spirit. Why? Because it weakens the reliance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and he makes you reliant on this, on this, on this bracelet or this bangle or this ring. And it reduces your reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you become dependent on it. And you may believe that it actually it benefits you and the shaitan will play on your mind. The shaitan will play in your mind. No, keep wearing it. Keep wearing it. You can see benefit. And maybe he will deceive you sometimes, subhanAllah. What does he want, the shaitan? Ultimately, he wants you to fall into major shirk. That if you were to die upon this, and this goes to show that a person who مثلاً, dies upon shirk, then خلاص, there's, no, there's no chance. But so long as they make tawbah and repentance and remove the causes of shirk before they die, then there's still a hope. That you will never succeed. And so obviously what success are we talking about? The success of the Akhirah. Because he specifically said, if you die upon it, then you will not succeed in, in the hereafter, which is the most important one. And obviously you will not succeed in the dunya as well. But he specifically mentioned the Akhirah because it is the most important one. And then the general meaning of the hadith, Imran ibn Hussain, he narrates an incident in, in which the Prophet in the, in the Prophet وسلم, constant fight against shirk. All the time, whenever an incident of shirk or some shirkiyat come, the Prophet وسلم, is the first one to repel it or to remove it or to close the door which leads to it. And we'll see this, sadbab shirk, to close it. So it doesn't even lead you anywhere, subhanAllah. You close the door, there's no more avenue for this shirk to occur. But this is the general, this is the five. He saw, the, he saw, he saw a man, yani the man is not important. What's important is what was on the man. And this is why some of the narrators said that the actual man was Imran ibn Hussein himself. It was actually the Sahabi narrating the hadith. But because it's not important to know the person who was, who, who was wearing this, the important thing is what the Prophet ﷺ said to the man. So it could have been Imran ibn Hussein, it could have been someone else. It's not important, this one. That he saw a man... And he asked him why he was wearing a yellow bracelet when he responded that it was to alleviate the pain in his hand. The Prophet ﷺ ordered him to remove it and explain that it was a source of pain and weakness, not a cure for it. He further added that if, he were, that if the man died while wearing such a bracelet, he would not succeed nor prosper in the hereafter. So the relevance of the hadith to the chapter was the shahid. The shahid is the part of the hadith which is relevant. What's the part of the hadith which is relevant? What did he say? This is what he said at the end. That if you were to die upon this, that you will not succeed abada. At all, you will not succeed. But this is the shahid of the hadith. Now the problem is, we said in the beginning, what did we say? That to wear this bracelet could either constitute major shirk or constitute minor shirk. But if it was major shirk, it's clear. If it was major shirk, that means absolutely we understand that he will not succeed. He would not even smell what? The smell of Jannah. He will be forever in the hellfire. But where does the problem come now? If it was minor shirk. Yes? What does it mean now? He said, What if it was minor shirk? We know that the one who commits minor shirk will not be what? Forever in the hellfire. So this could mean what? It could mean The falah is, is, is far away from you. Is far away from you. And the ultimate success is what in Jannah? In the Akhirah? Is to enter Jannah without having to go to the hellfire first. By virtue of him having to go into the hellfire. But even the fact that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may punish him because of it. He didn't succeed. He didn't succeed subhanAllah. So he had to go to, he had to, go to Jahannam first before he got to Jannah. It's relative success. In the first instance it's clear if it was major shirk. And in the second one it's, it's a relative success. But he had to first of all traverse into the into Jahannam and he first had to have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala question him about it 
But this one is is a relative success. وَعَنْهُ عَنْ عُقْبَ بْنَ عَامِرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَ مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً فَلَا أَتَمَّ اللَّهُ لَهُ وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ وَدَعَةً فَلَا وَدَعَ اللَّهُ لَهُ The Prophet that upon the authority of Uqba bin Amir radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu said whoever wears a talisman or an amulet would never say his wish fulfilled by Allah and whoever hangs a seashell would never get peace and rest وفي رواية من تعلق تميمة فقد أشرك In another version the Prophet ﷺ said من تعلق تميمة فقد أشرك Whoever wears a talisman has committed shirk We'll just quickly go over it فهو عقبع بن عامر رضي الله عنه الجهني فهي was the يعني we'll give a brief يعني ترجمة of the صحابة عقبع بن عامر He was one of the سابقون The first people to accept One of the first صحابة to accept Islam Subhanallah, and in the in the Khilafah of Muawiyah, he was appointed as as the governor of Egypt, Amir al-Misr, for three years, and then Subhanallah, he died at the age of around sixty. Aqba bin Amir radiallahu anhu. He says in your book here as well. What did he say? He also recorded. He said he also recorded. Yani this hadith is also recorded by Imam Ahmad in his Musnad. You know the other one before. What does it say here? This hadith was recorded by Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Rahimahullah, and he said he also recorded, يعني, he, يعني, Imam Ahmad, Rahimahullah, in his Musnad, he also narrated this hadith. And he said the Prophet, Man ta'allaqa tamima. Man ta'allaqa tamima. That means they hung a tamima. What do they say here? They say whoever wears a talisman. But ta'allaqa is, is they hang a tamima. The, the correct translation is they hang a tamima. And he didn't say, Allaqa tamimatan. Allaqa would have worked. It's still, it's still good. He said, تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً That means that ta at the beginning, it indicates premeditation. That means they only did it for this reason. They only did it for this reason. That means they hung this tamima for this very reason alone. مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً What's a tamima? Yani in English they call it a talisman, or they call it an amulet, or they call it whatever it is. But a tamima in the, in the language of the Arab, it was made out of al-khuraz. Al-khuraz are beads. Their beads and then they string them together and then they hang them on their child as a protection from al-ayn. So the Prophet said, Man ta'allaqa tamimatan. Wherever they may hang it, subhanAllah, upon themselves or upon their children, Man ta'allaqa tamimatan, fala atamma Allahula. He makes a dua against him. Fala atamma Allahula. That means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a dua against this person who hangs this from the Prophet. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not fulfill their affairs. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not fulfill and complete their affairs. And subhanAllah, you say sometimes, مثلاً, a person's affairs are completed. For someone starts something and then their affairs are completed. But it's not in a way which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani their affairs may be completed, but it's devoid of the tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completes your affairs for you and allows you to complete your affairs, is according to the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes and is pleased with. For this person, rubbama, their affairs are not even completed, or if they are completed, not, they are not according to the way which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes. This is what the Prophet is making dua against this person. That their affairs are not completed, or in a way which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with. And he says, if you notice the play at words that the Prophet used, tamima and atamma. Tamima and atamma. Atamma means to complete. Atamma. The verb atamma means to complete. And this is where the Arab took the word tamima from. Yes, they took the word tamima because they, in their belief, they supposedly believe that what? That this, when they put this thing, that it will complete their, their objective with this thing. That their objectives will be completed as a result of this. Supposedly, it, it, it completes their objective. And then he said, وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ وَدَعَةً 
Wada'a, yani these were common things that they used to hang. So this one, al-wada'a, is, is a seashell. It's something which is extracted from the ocean. SubhanAllah, you hang it up, mathalan, on yourself or on your child. They used to hang it on their children, al-wada'a. Yani, again, for the same reason. Again, for the same reason, to protect from the evil eye. For the Prophet said, فَلَا وَدَعَ اللَّهُ لَهُ فَلَا وَدَعَ اللَّهُ لَهُ مَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يعني, does not have peace and rest and tranquility in their affairs. فَإِذَا دُعَا against them. فَهُوَ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهُ Again, وَدَعَ Whoever hangs a وَدَعَ لَا وَدَعَ اللَّهُ لَهُ They call the وَدَعَ from the word وَدَعَ which means rest and tranquility. That means supposedly when they put this on, what will happen? They will get rest and tranquility from the ayn. For the Prophet made a dua that they do not get rest and tranquility when they put this thing on. For both of these dua is what they call dua binaqidi qasdihi. Yani the opposite of what they intended, the Prophet made the dua the opposite of what they intended. That means they wanted their affairs completed as a result of this tamima. May Allah never complete their affairs. They wanted rest and tranquility as a result of this wada'a. May Allah never give them rest and tranquility. The Prophet is making this dua. And then in the other narration, he specifically says, مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ The Prophet ﷺ clearly states it here. For maybe if you were in doubt about, يعني, if the Prophet ﷺ made a dua against the person, whether it was shirk or not, this one, this narration clearly states that whoever hangs a tamima with this intention, or a wada'a with this intention, or anything similar to it, then they have committed an act of shirk. They have committed... An act of shirk. And we'll just quickly read يعني, the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ makes a dua against the one who uses a tamima, believing that it will avert or remove evil, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not fulfill their objectives. Similarly, he makes a dua against the one who uses a wada'a for the same purpose, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not grant them peace and tranquility. Both duas are opposite of what they intended by using these talismans. The relevance now of the hadith to the chapter. What's the relevance of the hadith to the chapter? Very straightforward. What's the, what's the shahid? Yani? فَقَدْ أَشْرَكْ Yes. For the, when we read the two uh, uh, narrations in, in conjunction with one another, مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمًا فَقَدْ أَشْرَكْ We know that yani, the Prophet ﷺ made dua against them, and we know that it was also an act of shirk. And like we said, major shirk, if they believe that these tamima and this wada'a actually benefits and within itself and it removes the ayn and it's like a shield against the ayn and that nothing, if they believe this, then this is major shirk. And if they believe that it was just a cause, then it is, then it is minor shirk. And then like, like Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin he also said, because those who attach them, their a'timad and their tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is weak, subhanAllah. فَكَأَنَّهَا it's shirk in Yani in, the, in the act of worship of a tawakkul and also in the rububiyyah and that they believe that these things can avert harm whereas only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do that. وعن ابن أبي حاتم أن حذيفة رضي الله عنه رأى رجلا في يده خيط من الحمى فقطعوا وتلا قوله وما يؤمن أكثرهم بالله إلا وهم مشركون that حذيفة رضي الله عنه he saw a man with a piece of twine on his hand يعني خيط من الحمى Al-Humma is like the fever. Yani the mushrikun, they used to tie these strings on their hand to prevent fever. He cut it from his hand and he recited the verse, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ In Surah Yusuf. فَهُوَ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ يَعْنِ حُذَيْفَ ibn al-Yaman Hudayfa, we all know Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ He was one of the sabiqun and he died in the year 36 al-Hijri. And this athar, this is what they call an athar because it's not marfu' to the Prophet and he didn't say that the Prophet ﷺ said, or I saw the Prophet ﷺ do, or, or he did it in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ established it for him. For his, this is what they call athar. This is not a hadith. 
This is an Athar of Hudayfa. This Athar was يعني, narrated, as he says, Ibn Abi Hatim, who is one of the great scholars. He had a, he had a book of Tafsir. And he narrated this, this Athar in his Tafsir. And this, يعني, when you look at the Sanad, this Athar is weak. يعني, if you want to write down next to it, this is Daif. This is an Athar which is Daif. But يعني, we'll still يعني, explain it just for the sake of يعني, Al-Aman Al-Ilmiyya. He said, min al He saw a man. They used to tie the the threads around their hand, to prevent them from the fever. maybe the the fever had already come down, and they wanted to seek coolness from the fever, or to remove the fever, or as a protection, as a protective measure from the fever. فقطعه. This is the direct that he saw him doing it, and he cut it. and he recited the ayah. A lot of them don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that they are except that they are mushrikun, that they are committing shirk. For the relevance of the Athar to the chapter to the chapter is that yani, according if it was if it was yani, correct, for he said Wahum Mushrikun. He said, Wama Yuminu After he cut the, 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 the twine and the string, he recited this ayah. He recited this ayah that a lot of people don't yani, believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that they commit shirk. But in this case, subhanAllah, if it was major shirk, this ayah is specifically talking about, it's talking about major shirk. This ayah is talking about major shirk. So the iman which is established is the establishing iman in, in the tawheed of Allah's rububiyyah. So that they believe in Allah's rububiyyah, but they are mushrikun in his, in his uluhiyyah. They believe in his rububiyyah and they, they make shirk in his uluhiyyah. And similarly, it can be used also for, for yani minor shirk. Yani the asl al-iman, the iman is present in their heart, but they commit what? They commit acts of minor shirk which don't remove their Islam. And he recited, but this is what it, the relevance is. It. And the one who ties it, yani they have committed a form of shirk, whether it be major or whether it be minor. But like we said, yani this athar is da'if. But alhamdulillah, there is in the chapter enough. Enough. Yani if we took out this athar in the chapter, there is enough in there to, to show that, the, that hanging anything, whatever it may be, is a form of shirk. So he included this. Maybe Allah alam, just because of the ayah maybe. Like we said, no author in Islam is, is ma'asum from mistakes. So if they make mistakes, and the vast majority of the work is, subhanAllah, is good and authentic. So if there is one يعني, weakness, then the ulama, they will, they, will, يعني, they will point out this weakness in the text and that doesn't reduce the, the, the status of the author in any way. But this is subhanAllah, no one is perfect. No one is perfect, no alim is perfect, no alim has captured all the masail. So we make excuses for them. All right, the important issues of the chapter. He said the first one, At-taghlidhu fi lubsil al-halaqati wal-khayti wa nahwihima li-mithli thalik. He said the strict forbiddance of wearing rings, twines, and the like. So this is the first one. This is this is يعني, obvious, يعني, the strict forbiddance. But here, subhanAllah, here, they said At-taghlidh. At-taghlidh is a shidda. A shidda. That means the person who does this, At-taghlidh alayhi. That means we, يعني, we refute them with strength. And that's because the Prophet وسلم, so he said to him, Inzaha, Inzaha, remove it. If you were to die upon this, you will never succeed. Is that, is that nice or is that harsh? It's harsh, subhanAllah. And similarly, he made dua against the one who said, Man ta'allaqa tamimatan, fala atammallahu la, wa man ta'allaqa wada'atan, fala wada'allahu la. He made a dua against them. Is this nice or is this, is this taghlid? This is taghlid, this is strength in the inkar of this. But this is where he got this, the strict forbiddance of wearing rings and strings and the like. The second one, إِنَّ الصَّحَابِي لَوْ مَاتَ وَهِيَ عَلَيْهِ مَا أَفْلَحَ فِيهِ شَاهِدٌ لِكَلَامِ الصَّحَابَ أَنَّ الشِّرْكَ الْأَصْغَرِ 
أكبروا من الكبائر. If the companions had the companion had died while wearing such a thing, he would not have succeeded in the hereafter. What did the Prophet ﷺ? He said to the Sahabi, he said, ما أفلحت أبدا. He's talking about and the narration that he's talking about to Imran ibn Husayn. ما أفلحت أبدا. So someone below the Sahaba, will they be يعني closer to success than the Sahabi if they were wearing these things? But even the Sahabi is not exempt. Even the Sahabi is not even, if he died while knowing this, as we'll come to see, and he continued to wear it, ma aflaha, he will not succeed. So he's giving the taqlid up to who? To the Sahaba. No less, yani. And then he says, this is a confirmation to the statement of the companions that minor shirk is greater than major sins. And he, he mentioned this statement, subhanAllah, we've mentioned this before, subhanAllah, like the Sahaba, they would consider yani, shirk al-asghar greater than the major sins. The greater than the major sins. As Ibn Mas'ud عنه, he said, he said, for me to swear by, by Allah, for me to swear by Allah while I am lying, is better for me to swear by other than Allah while I'm telling the truth. Because the first one is what? The first one is a sin. is a major sin. The second one is what? Is minor shirk. So he said, for me to commit is the major, the major sin is better for me than then the minor shirk, then, then is, is better for me than to commit shirk, whether it be minor or major. And then he said the third one, أَنَّهُ لَمْ يُعْذَرْ بِالْجَهَالَ That he was not, يعني he was not, يعني ignorance was no excuse for him, يعني the Sahabi. And this one, Ibn Uthaymin, he said there's a bit of nazar in this. Subhanallah, he said, يعني when he told him that you will never succeed, يعني it doesn't mean that if, يعني if you die after being told of its ruling, after you die, after you knew, then this is when the success will not happen. But مثلاً, if you didn't know before, if you didn't know before, and then you died upon it, first, subhanAllah, you could be excused for ignorance. And then he, subhanAllah, he, Sheikh ibn Uthaymin, he went on to one page of the one who is excused with ignorance and the one who isn't excused with ignorance. We'll, we'll give you a very يعني, short, يعني, very, we'll try and summarize as much as we can. But he said the one who's, who can't be excused for ignorance, Yani their, their ignorance comes as a result of negligence on their part. Yani the, 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 the avenues of learning are there. And they don't attend the durus, مثلاً. They don't attend the durus and they don't bother and, and they're not interested in this. For this person, are they excused with their ignorance? They're not excused from their ignorance. And مثلاً, it was from the masail, yani jaliyya, from the clear masail, مثلاً, of tawheed. Yani the one who commits shirk, what the, what the levels and categories of shirk are, and, and clear, yani there's no ulama will differ in this. Yes? Or مثلا, how to pray, or whether praying is obligatory, or zakat is obligatory, or not. Yani these masail are what? Jaliyah, they're clear. They're clear to everyone to know, subhanAllah. But then they didn't bother to learn these, are they excused with their ignorance? They're not excused with their ignorance. And then he said, the one who may be excused with ignorance, مثلا, the one who, who subhanAllah, Yani these facilities for them to learn were not available for them. And subhanAllah, they tried their hardest to learn their, their deen. But it wasn't available to them, مثلاً, because of distance and because of Allah and what the reason may be. And subhanAllah, it wasn't in the masail which were yani, yani jaliya. They were maybe khafiya. Not everyone knows about them. Yani the small yani details of the masail. He said that this person may be excused. He said that this person may be excused with ignorance. Alright, the fourth one, أَنَّهَا لَا تَنْفَعُ فِي الْعَاجِلَةِ بَلْ تَضُرُّ لِقَوْلِهِ وَلَا تَزِيدُكَ إِلَّا وَهْنًا So the shaykh here, he's given you the reason and he's given you the dalil as well. What did he say? Wearing any such article 
will not benefit in this life. Indeed, it is harmful, as was stated by the Prophet ﷺ. It will do nothing except you increase you in, 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 in weakness. But this is where the Prophet ﷺ, he gave you the dalil, exactly what the mutabiq, yes? We don't need to think about this one too much. And then he said, the fifth one, الْإِنْكَارُ بِالتَّغْلِيضِ عَلَى مَنْ فَعَلَ مِثْلَ ذَلِكَ the intense disapproval and censure of whoever does such a deed. And this is like we said before, because he made a dua against them. And he said, subhanAllah, ordered him to rip it off his hand. And he made dua against the person who does this. And then the sixth one, he said, He said, the declaration that whoever attaches something to himself will have that thing put in charge of him. And this one, subhanAllah, يعني, he said, يعني, it's not clear in this hadith, but in the next chapter we're going to take something. I don't know, يعني, I, it wasn't clear to me where the shaykh got it from in this chapter, and even the explanations, they weren't very clear to me, subhanAllah. But there's a clear hadith in the next chapter. مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُكِلَ إِلَيْهِ This is a hadith that we're going to take in the next chapter. That whoever hangs something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put that thing in charge of them. Yes, so they'll be very attached to it. No longer their attachment is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their attachment is to that thing. But we'll take this in the, in the next chapter, inshaAllah. Seven, at-tasrihu bi'anna man ta'allaqa shay'an faqad ashrak. This is clear, that the one whoever hangs anything, a tamima, or anything similar to it, then they have committed an act of shirk, whether it be minor shirk or major shirk. Anna ta'liq al-khayt min al-humma min thalik. To be cured from fever by using a, a string, it's not a talisman, yani a string, is shirk. The, the ninth one, tilawatu hudayfat al-ayata dalilun ala anna al-sahaba yastadilluna bil-ayati allati fi al-shirki al-akbar ala al-asgar kama dhakar ibn Abbasin fi ayati al-baqara. That hudayfa reciting the verse of Quran is a clear-cut proof that the sahaba used to recite the verses dealing with the major shirk to condemn minor shirk. To condemn minor shirk. And we've taken this, like the first ayah, the first ayah that we took in the, in, the, in the chapter is referring to major shirk, but we can extrapolate it to refer to minor shirk. And he's mentioning here that the Sahaba do this, and then he mentioned that Hudayfa did this. But this is not because the, the Athar is weak, we can't rely on this. But he also gave us another one. He said that Ibn Abbas also uses this, and we're going to take this also in another chapter as well. And then the tenth one is, Again, this is not clear. Seeking relief against the evil eye by using an amulet. We're specifically talking about the amulet that is made from seashells. Yes, it's, it's the same ruling. It's the same ruling because he included it in the hadith. He included it in there. For this amulet here, maybe put underneath it, specifically referring to al-wada'a. And then the last one is, الدُّعَاءُ عَلَى مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُتِمُّ لَهُ وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ وَدَعَةً فَلَا وَدَعَ اللَّهُ لَهُ أَيْ تَرَكَ اللَّهُ لَهُ the eleventh one, the curse against uh, the curse upon those, not the curse, yani the dua upon those who use amulets, that their wishes should not be granted by Allah, and those who use shells will not get rest or peace. That is, Allah subhanahu wa taala has left them. And this one, there's a bit of tafsil. Yani if we see, مثلاً, someone who's wearing an amulet or a or a or a wada'a or, or something like this, do we straight away go to them? لا أتم الله لك. This is what we say. But when the Prophet wasallam he mentioned it, he mentioned it in a general sense. For a we go up to this person, you say, maybe they don't know. He said, the Prophet said, Man fala So we keep it general that the Prophet said that whoever hangs a tamima, that the Prophet made a dua against him. That the, dua, that the Prophet made a dua against him. For we don't direct the dua straight at him. We say that the Prophet said this. But there is other evidences in the Sunnah where the Prophet said, if you see someone doing something, then make dua against them. 
For example, he sallallahu said, said, That he sallallahu said, if you see someone yunshidu al when they used to lose their camels, they used to call them in a specific way. They had a, مثلاً, a noise that they would make to call the camel back to them. Subhanallah, if you see someone doing this in the masjid, what do you say to them? You say to him, لا ردها الله لك. ما الله سبحانه وتعالى never return it to you. And then he said, وَإِذَا سَمِعْتُمْ مَنْ يَبِيعُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَقُولُوا لَا أَرْبَحَ اللَّهُ تِجَارَتَكَ And if you see someone buying and selling in the masjid, you say, ما الله سبحانه وتعالى not make your, your, your trade profitable. And outside of the masjid, you can call your, your camel as much as you want. Outside of the masjid, you can, you can do trade as much as you want. But because it was done in the masjid, and the masjid is not a place for this. The masjid is not a place for this, for you to be buying and selling and calling your camel. Then, subhanAllah, this is why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to make a dua against them. To make a dua against them. Because the masjid is not established for this. And this is, wallahi, a lesson for us, subhanAllah, that subhanAllah, we don't spend a lot of time chatting in the masjid and about things which are of no benefit, especially about the dunya. But the masjid are not for this reason, subhanAllah. The masjid have their have their hurmah. And the first and foremost thing is that with the, with the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is established in the masajid. And if subhanAllah people مثلا, are praying or reading Quran and they're being distracted by subhanAllah superfluous talk, then this is wallahi a problem. This is wallahi a problem which we need to address. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu. Jazakumullah.